In this Talking Heads, Evan and I will be talking with Ilya Buckstein of Microsoft. Evan, where are you today? I am at home base in the bunker at an undisclosed location outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I want to ask you about smartphones because uh, uh, for some reason I associate smartphones and Evan together. And so, well, I wanted to see if you saw this survey. Uh, UBS surveyed around 8,000 smartphone owners in the U.S., U.K., China, Germany, Japan, and India and found that the overall 12-month forward purchase intent has fallen to the lowest level since it started conducting the surveys. I don't know when they started conducting, but people are not buying smartphones like they used to. What do you think of that? Your average consumer does not need a new smartphone. There aren't any new services uh, that that would uh, drive uh, smartphone demand. And these devices have gotten so good that, um, you know, they're good enough. They, they said, they, let's check out this line. We continue to see extending device lifetimes weak near-term purchasing intent, and with these issues compounded by the disruption that Huawei faces, we forecast smartphone units declining 7% in 2019, UBS said. That 7% declining is, is an average, but Apple is going to carry the worst of that. The percent of people planning to buy an iPhone has fallen in the U.S. Android has now overtaken Apple as the most retentive I thought you were the most retentive. Android has overtaken Apple as the most retentive brand. Uh, Apple probably can't raise prices anytime soon, and has lost some of its allure as an aspirational brand, particularly in China, where it's taken a huge hit. Uh, sounds like uh, there'll be a good sale on, on iPhones. Well, the issue is outside of you know business prosumers like us, there isn't a need to buy a $1,000 smartphone. And so the selling point is increasingly tough. I mean, folks are talking about 5G as the next big smartphone upgrade cycle, but we need another, um, you know, cycle or two to get that into the mass market. So I think we're uh, we're at peak smartphone for some time. I think that's a. I think uh, I think you're right, and I think uh, UBS agrees with you. So one thing that that smartphones have done is enabled more more uh, collaborative and remote working. But there's uh, other ways to do that, which is why we have an exciting guest with us today from Microsoft. And so with, without any further ado, let's get to our, our interview. Sounds good, Dave. So Evan, today we have Il- Ilya Buchstein from uh, Microsoft. He's uh, also known as I-L-Y-A-B-U on Twitter. He is the head of product at Microsoft Teams Devices. Is that, did I get that right, Ilya? Is that, is that your title? Uh, yeah, partner director is the internal title, but I, I lead the devices area for Microsoft Teams. All right. And, and you've been at Microsoft for 25 years. It's like you were, you and Bill Gates were like the first two there or something like that? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, no, we, we've got some folks with 30 and 35-year trophies. Um, yeah, I joined in, it'll be 25 years in September, so I joined in 94. And you've been mostly involved, I know, I know you've been heavily involved recently in Skype for Business and Teams. Uh, did you, when did you get involved? Was it LCS, OCS, or Link? Or which, where, at what point did you enter the uh, real-time communications uh, drama? Which, which three-letter uh, acronym? Uh, so it was OCS. It was actually when we announced um, Office Communication Server at an event that we internally called UC Day. 
and we laid out Microsoft's vision for eventually having one place to do calling and meetings and audio and video and how that's going to be integrated throughout Office. Uh, so that was, if I remember right, 2007. Okay. Jeff Rakes, Jeff Rakes led the Office area. He was our presenter. It was in San Francisco. So I... Um, worked uh, on that day and Jeff's speech uh, as part of what was then the real-time communications group. And then I went off and did some other stuff. I worked in um, Windows Embedded, uh, which is now Windows IoT, from uh, 2008 or 9 to 2011. Um, then I worked on our speech technology at Microsoft. Uh, but then I came back, uh, I guess it's almost six years ago now, to uh, it was Link. It quickly became Skype for Business, and now we are Microsoft Teams. And, and if my timing is right, you came back right about the time they introduced the uh, the Skype room systems with the Surface Pro, Surface Pro being the center of the show. Is that correct? Uh, no, I came back before that, and the reason I know that is because that was my idea. Uh, whether ah. you like it or not, you could either, uh, you know, you could maybe blame me for it. So. Um, I took over our room systems work in, uh, I think it was, tw so let, let's see, we've had Skype room systems out for about two and a half years, so uh, about 2017. So yeah, I took it, took it over in about 2016. Um, we had our first generation, what was known back then as link room systems, that was out. Um, but I took over all of our room systems work, came up with what was then known as brilliant marketing name Skype Room Systems V2 and is now known as Microsoft Teams Rooms. Well, that's a big improvement in the name because <laughs> well, well, the, the problem with Skype Room Systems was you had Skype as a consumer service. You had Skype for business, yep. the business service, but you called it Skype uh, Room Systems, and not Skype for business room systems. And so there was a possibility that someone got confused. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just my imagination. There was for sure a possibility. Yes, we, we've heard that. So I also like... Microsoft Teams Rooms, better, also a good three-letter acronym, MTR, so we, we stay consistent with that. But yeah, Microsoft Teams Rooms is uh, a big focus of mine. Well, in your current role, uh, you have to work with a number of interesting third-party companies as you do this um, balancing act between uh, building an a ecosystem, a vibrant ecosystem, and maintaining a, a certified status at the same time. Uh, you're working with companies like Crestron, Logitech, Poly, HP, Lenovo, and, um, and Yealink. So my first question on this is, yes. uh, how do you work with uh, such innovative companies and let them be innovative, and at the same time um, ensure a standard and consistency that you have to do in your role? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, actually. So when I first came back to Skype for Business, my job was running what we call partner engineering. Uh, and then I focused in more narrowly on room systems. And so partner engineering was based on this idea that there's there are things that Microsoft can do very well. And then we need a partner ecosystem to complete the experiences. Um, so we need a partner ecosystem, both in terms of software extensibility and applications, but also, also in terms of the hardware. Um, so, uh, and, and it's a variety of hardware, not just room systems, peripherals, phones, uh, um, 
more devices, both in the shared and in the personal space. So the very simple answer to your question is, we think we do a better job than most companies uh, in software and user experience. And so that's where we want to innovate. The user experience, the uh, media stack, the end-to-end experience for communications and collaboration. We think our partners do an amazing job in innovating in the hardware. And so having a really good um, contract, for lack of a better word, that maybe sounds too official, having a really good approach where they they know... Relationship. Well, relationship is definitely key, but also technically having a good approach where you say, here's, here's the ways we hardware can access our software, uh, but we will take care of the software. Uh, that's proven to be more successful. Um, and actually, I'll, I'll tell you one... I'll go a little bit further than your question. One place where we've changed our approach is in saying uh, we really want to take accountability for all the software on the device. What I mean by that is in Skype for Business days, whether it's phones or room systems, we said, hey, here's a protocol spec. And Mr. Partner, you can go ahead and build the UX. You can actually do the media stack if you want. And here's how you access our server using protocols. Uh, and so phones in the Skype for Business days, the UX was built by Polycom or someone else. Room systems, again, Polycom built the UX, they did the media stack and they did protocol and drop. And it was really okay in the server space because we would take three years to do a server release. Um, and the partner had lots of time to do firmware updates and adjust to whatever now, changes. Now they've changed your idea, these well, hardware guys, because your idea was the Surface Pro, as you just said, but... Um, but now the Surface Pro is kind of being pushed out and you're using, I guess, a Nook or something and you're using a separate type of uh, display device in the room. And so, so this, this is, this is, they killed your baby. Yeah. What's going on here? No, 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 no. Oh. Uh, we evolved our baby. Our baby grew up. So the, the baby grew up. up. Come on, get it right, Dave. Get your analogy uh, right. The baby okay. is now a, a budding teenager. So the fundamental idea in what is now MTR was we own the software. So there's an actual room system application that has our media stack that runs on a device in the room. The partner builds the hardware. In V1, we took a rapid time to market approach where we said, let's standardize on one device that happens to be both the console and the compute, Surface Pro. And Mr. Partner, please build kind of an enclosure around that with all the ports and connections and security for the room. But it was always our intent to, to go beyond the Surface Pro. And as it happens, as I was saying, these partners are great at hardware. So Lenovo built a device where they had the computer and the console and the audio in one device. HP did a thing where they had kind of a NUC or it's the HP Slice. Um, they all built the video ingest, video capture capabilities in their devices. Crestron built a modular system. So they all evolved it. And for us, it's great because they're still fundamentally all Windows 10 systems that run our application. So it's our user experience on the console and on the front of room display. It's our media stack. We can keep it up to date as our cloud service evolves. Uh, so it, it's all great. So how many partners is a, is a good number? And Microsoft, of course, has zillions of partners across different verticals. In your space, you seem to have about a dozen key uh, technology partners. 
will that grow over time or shrink or where's the sweet spot for partnership? So it's, it's a little, it's a little less than a dozen in the room system space. We have six, uh, which Dave, you listed off, but I'll, I'll do it again. Crestron, Logitech, HP, Lenovo, in no particular order, uh, Yealink, uh, Polycom, six. I think, I think I counted right. Uh, plus, we have some partners that do peripherals, so Jabra. Actually, you, you, you misspoke there. It's actually Poly. Poly. Shoot, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm an old timer. Poly.com. Um, yes, Poly. So, uh, so we have peripherals partners, as I said. Used to have Plantronics. Now it's Poly. Uh, Jabra, Sennheiser. Um, those are kind of the main ones. So it's you know, nine-ish. And I don't think we have a number in mind for a sweet spot, but for us, there's there's a couple of key ingredients. One is quality bar. So Dave, you mentioned certification earlier. We spend a lot of resources in validating uh, and certifying hardware. So when someone uses a certified system, we, we've tested it, but we've also had a third-party independent lab run a set of tests on audio and video quality. Um, and we actually now certify for distances. So we say, hey, this particular camera is great up to uh, two and a half meters. This other one is four meters, both for audio and video. Um, so now is, that, is that certification process, is that an open process or is that, is that uh, your invitation basically? No, it's by our invitation. And so what I was going to say is one, uh, quality bar is important. And then two, partner success is very important. And so uh, our partners are going to ship about 10 million certified devices um, in this calendar year. <clears throat> and that's everything, peripherals, phones, room systems, and so forth. And so it's really important for us that if they're going to invest in meeting our quality bar, that they are successful. They have good sales to justify that investment. Um, and so when we look at partners, we look at their hardware capabilities, what do they offer that's unique and differentiated quality, but also their channel and, and go to market and the distribution. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And kind of what, what, what's our take on their, uh, cause you have, you have to cover the whole world. You, you've got to, you've got to cover every country basically. We do. That's right. And it, it's actually one of the great things, by the way, about our room systems moving, uh, from surface pro to some of these other compute units, those compute units are available in more countries. Surface pro, you know, is growing, but it's, I don't remember the exact number, 20 to 25 countries, something like that in the world, um, whereas folks like Lenovo and HP and others cover almost every country, minus maybe North Korea and Syria, but close. That's an interesting thing about uh, Yealink because uh, Yealink's a Chinese company, yep, and they make an Android-based um, uh, Teams phone. Yes. But, but uh, are, they, are they going to get the same treatment that Huawei's getting? I guess we don't know, but... Uh, uh, there's a risk there, I guess. So. Yeah, I you know can't comment on what our what our government's going to do in its infinite wisdom. Um, Yealink have been a great partner. Uh, actually, fun trivia that not everyone knows: they sell more IP phones than anyone else worldwide. More than Cisco, more than Polycom. So they have deep, deep expertise uh, in audio. They sell a ton of room systems. So great expertise in video. So we uh, love our partnership with Yealink. Um, we think they deliver some really great innovative devices, as do our other partners. What's next for devices? I mean, you're dealing with fairly traditional endpoints. Yeah. Um, you have interesting 
VR and AR and 5G solutions under the hood? I mean, like, where do you see your program going over time as new technologies sort of enter the mix? Yeah, so I think there are two axes in which we, we see growing. One is surrounding you as a user with devices, and the other is deepening the experience on those devices. So uh, one of the great things we've seen is this democratization of video. Um, it's been a long time coming. We, You guys have been in the industry like I have for a while. We've all predicted that video would... Well, Dave, Dave's been in the industry since the uh, beginning of time, but uh, I've been about so, 25. <laughs> I was there when they announced LCS. I remember it, remember it well. Yes. That phone call that, um, that the first phone call that was made, you know, that... Uh, Alexander Graham guy. Watson, come that, here. That yeah. was Dave Michaels. He was calling Dave. That was that was that on the other end of the line. Got, got Watson by mistake, misdialed. Um, so he, uh, you know, we predicted the spread of video, I would say, earlier than it's actually happened. But there's really good evidence to see that it's, it is now becoming super commonplace and expected. Um, especially as there's now more generations uh, of people in the workforce than ever before. Um, there are folks coming in who are very used to using video on their mobile devices, personal devices. So part one is we think there's going to be a device everywhere, in every room, on your desk, in every shared space um, that has a brain and a connection to the network. And that's a, that's a, huge growth opportunity over the next four or five years. I completely agree. Completely agree. So that's part one. And then part two is, well, what do those devices all do? So baseline, they should be able to do great audio and video. Awesome. But we actually think there's so much more opportunity for them to do more and do more quickly. You know, other devices that you might have in a room today, like a VTC, they've done basically the exact same thing for about 15 years in which time they probably have been re refreshed once you know they've done audio video screen sharing i think there's this amazing opportunity to have the brain in the room start to know more about what's going on in the room how many people are in the room who are those people when did they arrive when do you have critical mass you know so you don't spend the first five minutes going okay who all's there and let's all introduce each other um you can have the brain in the room augment the, the experience, especially for remote people, with transcription, translation, action item extraction, um, and transcription that actually is readable, not one giant stream of 80% correct words, but <laughs> you know, this is what Dave said, this is what Evan said, this is what Ilya said. Um, so, so make the experience not suck for remote participants. Make it clear what someone is writing when they're writing on a whiteboard. Make it clear what everyone's saying. Make it clear who's saying what. Capture all that in a digital form so you pick up where you left off in the next meeting. That's one area of, of richness. And then uh, the other area that always just amazes me is when I look around, even at Microsoft, there's so much glass, so many displays that are unused. You know, there's displays that have kind of been put up everywhere, kitchen, common areas, and they kind of sit there with an HDMI cable hanging down off of them and not, not much being done. 
It's it's not just glass. It's uh, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but it's also cameras. I'm always surprised how many cameras are not being used. Yeah, I mean, my take is way more glass than cameras. Uh, uh, but you're right. So I think our kind of first wave of stuff companies did was, hey, let's put some uh, BTCs are super expensive, so let's put some USB peripherals in rooms, throw them in there, see what happens. Like you said, I think they don't get used by the time you plug them in and you get them connected and tuned. Um, so getting a brain connected to those cameras and displays, I think will help tremendously in basic use, but I think it'll make it so much easier to use them well. I should be able to come up to any display and say, hey, I want to um, have that display show announcements that are relevant to my team. Or myself and one of the people from my team are there, so why don't I flash up a PowerPoint from my phone to that display? So basically, it's basically it's Minority Report. That's what we're going at. <laughs> minority <laughs> Report experience, and hopefully we'll be there within two to three years. Is that weird? I don't know if we're going to have the uh, magic waving in the oh, air. Oh, come on. That was uh, the best feature. Oh, trust me. Evan's waving, waving like crazy as we speak. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you, just, you just queued up three, three important things that you just kind of more or less announced uh, with your uh, updates to the, to the team's rooms. Uh, <laughs> you announced uh, proximity detection so you can use those screens, those, that glass, for, more easily as you walk into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've also announced uh, support for dual screens, so you can use more glass when you walk into it. But but the thing that you that, that I queued up for you uh, is the is the extra cameras because you just announced companion mode. Um, and, and so, why don't you explain the companion mode? Because I think that's a pretty uh, unique capability that Microsoft has right now. Yeah. So. Um... Uh, by the way, we, we definitely do have proximity mode and dual displays. We've had that for a while with Teams Rooms. Uh, proximity mode, dual displays for a while, proximity mode the last couple of months. But uh, yeah, companion mode and content cameras are two new things. Um, so what we can do today is on a mobile device, join a meeting in companion mode. So that's no audio. You don't cause audio howling. But you can use the device as a sensor in the meeting. So I can turn on the camera on my mobile device, point it at the whiteboard, and share that as a content feed. Um, so we use that all the time here, by the way, for demos. If I'm going to demo a device and I want to show you the device screen, I'll join as companion mode from my iPhone, share my camera, point my camera uh, at the device, and, you know, bingo, I don't need a Wolf Vision type camera. I'm just using my mobile. The other scenario is whiteboarding. Um, I demoed that at the Enterprise Connect keynote, uh, and, and that really seems to resonate with customers. Uh, that's coming up very soon for Teams Rooms. We can add a second camera to a Teams Room. Uh, it could be any camera. We, of course, would like it to be certified, pointed at a whiteboard, and that becomes a content camera. So I can share my video, but I can also turn on content camera, share the whiteboard. We do the cool processing to frame the whiteboard, zoom in on it, sharpen text. And if, as I'm writing, I step in front of the whiteboard, we make me look transparent uh, so that the remote participants can always have a great representation of what people are doing in the room on the whiteboard. And it's perfect on Halloween. That's, that's a perfect application for freaking your, your fellow uh, conference attendees out. So I, I love it. I, that's a feature. Yes. Well, Evan, Evan knows a lot about ghosting people. That's kind uh, of, kind oh, of don't give away my secret. Nice. 
Yeah, but this, this technology is fabulous. Let, let me ask you, I, I am curious, at, at Microsoft, how have the changes that you've seen, you know, most impacted you over the last decade with Satya's new leadership? and I mean, or, or two and a half decades for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. It's definitely... Uh, definitely a great time to be here. I think one of the things I hear a lot that I maybe didn't hear, let's say 10 years ago, was, well, what's in the best interest of the customer? And I, I know that might sound trite, but you know, when we're having a discussion of, should we do something with a competitor? Um, I think 10 years ago or more, the discussion would have been, well, how is that strategic for us at Microsoft? I think right now, the discussion is what's in the best interest of the customer? What's the customer scenario? And if that means we partner with a competitor to solve the scenario, that that's what makes sense. Um, so that's kind of a broad cultural statement. That said, th there's been some interesting how we work changes. So uh, I'm in an open space, um, and that's the first time in my career at Microsoft that I've been in an open shared space uh, in a team neighborhood and not in a private office. So it's been about a year. Uh, and that's a physical manifestation of, of how I think we've, we've changed and how, frankly, Microsoft Teams is the right tool for that change. Um, you know, for most of my career, most of my work was very individual focused. It's what do I need to do and deliver? And my time was spent in email and then kind of office and maybe Visual Studio if I was coding. Uh, you know, Microsoft Teams changes that where the, the nature of the work I do is collaborative. So most of my time really is spent talking about different subjects virtually with others. Um, I spend way less time in email, still more than I'd like, but way less time. I really spend my time in teams working on projects, by definition, collaborating with others. Um, so that's been a huge change, uh, really. You mentioned the whiteboard, and I guess your effort is kind of competing with another Microsoft effort with the, the Surface, Surface Hub. Hmm. And the and that's about to come out. So as you put, as you video enable all these meeting locations at, on Microsoft campuses, uh, how, how do you think they'll determine if a, if a Teams meeting room goes in versus a, uh, a hub? Right. <clears throat> well, I think we see them as much more complementary uh, versus competitive. And what I mean by that is we talked, or I talked about, having a Teams room that has great audio video, it enables uh, a good remote experience even when people use an analog whiteboard. And in Teams, we now support the Microsoft digital whiteboard. So it's the same digital whiteboard that Surface Hub has. Uh, and so our goal is to kind of have this natural transition from analog to digital, everything is captured as part of the meeting. Surface Hub then takes that a step further. So they say, hey, this is a device where multiple users can actually log in and access their content right at the screen. So you can open Office documents, PowerPoints, a browser, and do stuff right at the screen of the device. So in many rooms, we think the Surface Hub and the Microsoft Teams room being in the same space, it's great. Hub provides the best 
sort of digital whiteboard touch screen collab device. Um, for some small rooms, if they're, and if, the, if they're in the same room, do you use the hub as a display of the, of the, of your, of your team's meeting room? You could, but you'd be, um, you'd not be getting the full capability of hub. So what we would recommend if they're in the same room is actually you have the Microsoft Teams room system joining the meeting for audio video. You have the Surface Hub joining the same meeting for collab, meaning white digital whiteboard apps, et cetera. Um, and we'll have a feature coming later this calendar year that makes that simultaneous join seamless. In other words, using the same proximity uh, capabilities we, we shipped, if you hit join on the MTR, it'll pull the hub into the same meeting with audio off in collab mode. Um, but yeah, so the hub, again, if you're in a room that where the whole room is within, I don't know, say two and a half meters of the device, it's a great primary device. Uh, the hub also, the hub two that is coming out, hub 2S, um, has that uh, great steel case um, stand on wheels with a battery so you can keep it in a neighborhood in an open space, wheel it into a room if you need it for collab. So we think of it as an and instead of an or. You said two and a half meters. Your Canadian, your Canadian is showing. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, let, let's let's talk about some of the new uh, the new form factors. I mean, I mean, uh, IP phones are IP phones, but you've got some actually some interesting new form factors uh, coming into the uh, Teams ecosystem. Um, the first one, obviously, is the Alara, uh, which is a very yes. different factor. Uh, how how is that being? Uh, how is market reaction to the Alara, and what are your thoughts on on this form factor? Uh, I have one on my desk right in front of me. Um, I think it's a it's a great new form factor. So uh, we know that. Actually, I'll I'll even back up one step. As a team, I wanted to explain it. I, I, sure. uh, this is this is the phone that Evan would have on his desk, by the way, because because it's it's iPhone first or, remote, or smartphone first. It is smartphone first. So the Alara is a combination of mobile phone wireless charging dock plus a dial pad of hard buttons, plus a second screen, plus a um, uh, hanger for a headset or earbuds or some kind of private communications peripheral, and deep Teams integration. So it actually has a Teams button light on it. So when you put your phone on the charger, it doesn't just charge, but you can, uh, one, see if you have a missed voicemail or call because the light will flash. Two, see if you have a meeting about to start. The light will flash to let you know that. And then three, take actions in Teams quickly with that button. I'll take Hit three. The button. This is brilliant. And I'll take them in blue, please. Uh, it's uh, any color you want, uh, as long as it's black. Uh, and the Teams button is in purple. Um, uh, black with, with lovely Plantronics slash poly orange accents. Um, so it's a device that lets you use your smartphone at your desk while charging as a Teams communication device. Uh, and it has little thoughtful features like the dock is actually, um, you can uh, change the angle so you don't get that up the chin camera angle that some of us are sensitive about. Uh, so you get the right camera angle, you can use the phone to join meetings, leaving you free on your PC to, in the in the flow of whatever you're working on so it it's a super well thought out device actually i think and it it lets you just do so much more with your mobile phone at your desk than just have it sitting in a in a charger um and 
for us, the thing we love about it is once you're a Teams user, the more screens you have around you with Teams, the better. Like I love having a device. I leave my phone in the Alara on my activity feed so that if I'm focused on working on a spreadsheet on my PC, I can sort of glance over and look at what's going on in Teams. Um, I love having being able to join a meeting in Teams on the Alara and leave my PC free to do other stuff. Um, so I actually have one, two, I have four different uh, devices on my desk in addition to my PC all running Teams. Okay, all right, uh, next device. The Yealink uh, VC200. This is a uh, uh, something kind of also new for your environment. Yeah, so uh, I think of the VC200 as a as a <laughs> I know it doesn't look that way as a large screen video phone. So um, on on phones, we made a uh, strategic change, new direction with Teams, where phones are actually run our software. Uh, they would be Android based and run our actual Teams application. The VC200 takes the same Android compute and attaches it on the back uh, or to uh, a camera and microphone array. And you get kind of a small sound bar um, that uh, can go on top of a, say, 24-inch touchscreen. And you get that kind of phone application. You can control it do everything you want from the touchscreen, but it goes super nicely into small rooms. Any room where basically all the participants are kind of within arm's length of the device. Um, so we, we think it's a nice expansion to our portfolio where uh, you can get Teams meetings, audio, video, screen sharing into really small rooms where you may not want a console on the table. You kind of want an all-in-one. And, and then I also uh, noticed the... the the giant soundbar of the Crestron <laughs> Flex. Yes. Uh, I, I guess that's the uh, the Van Halen soundbar. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, they've got some really good output on that soundbar. Uh, I want to I want to give you an opportunity to talk about first line workers. I know this is very important sure. to Microsoft, particularly around Teams. And I wanted to ask you how how does the approach or commitment toward first line workers uh, affect you in your device work? Yeah, or does it? It does. Um, not something that we've shown very much, but for, you know, first of all, I'll say the first line workers we see as a great underserved audience. Um, so really, uh, everything our industry does has been focused on information workers, but there's this massive audience of folks who don't have all the benefits of uh, mobile experiences and ability to easily see their shifts and assign tasks and do workflow and make calls and communicate and use video where it makes sense. So we think it's a, a great opportunity for teams. We think it's a perfect fit. The, there are some specific devices in specific first line worker um, verticals that we think what we're going to want to go tackle. So oh, I see. Yeah, and it's really very much by industry. Um, certainly in telehealth, there's some very specific connected devices and form factors in terms of um, having a video system kind of on a cart that can be wheeled in. Uh, there's more ruggedized or industrialized devices for folks uh, down on shop floors. Um, uh, peripherals, I think, actually become extremely important. A lot of first-line workers are going to want to have something that blocks out noise but delivers great far-end audio 
earbuds or something that they could just keep in their ears uh, as they're on the go. So we, we think there's, um, there's applicability of our overall devices portfolio. And then there's some devices that we're going to look at for, as I said, specific verticals. So we ask all of our uh, podcast guests uh, the same one, one, one consistent question, sure. which is about uh, something that you are planning, uh, something expensive you are planning. What is your next big, what is your next big personal uh, ex- expense coming up? Gotcha. Well, so I'm a Tesla fanboy. I've got my Tesla t-shirt on. Um, I have a Tesla myself and I've been trying to talk my wife into a Model X and I think I'm getting close. So I would suspect my next big expensive purchase would be a Model X for my wife's primary car. All right. I, I, we've, you're the, I think the second guest we've had that uh, went that direction on the Tesla. Um, I think Tesla's uh, the, uh, the Microsoft teams of the car industry. It's the. Oh, you got to be careful with these analogies. <laughs> Tesla's having some, uh, some tough, uh, tough times. A lot of short sellers on Tesla. Are you, well, are you, a, are you, are you an investor? I, I am not a Tesla investor because I don't have time to follow the stock market closely enough. But I, I think, you know, for me, there's Tesla, the stock, which I'm, not can't comment on intelligently but then there's tesla the automobile uh which i can comment on because i drive it every day and uh you know the reason i made that analogy is that uh it it's not that the car itself is it's electric it's better it handles great and everything it's the fact that it's always getting better that i find just amazing and delightful uh every you know couple of weeks there's an update that adds something awesome the last update i got added sentry mode uh which is kind of fantastic and uh for peace of mind for your car and so that's my team's analogy i think one of the things i love about working on teams is that as a cloud first product the the velocity we can have to deliver new scenarios is fantastic that's also what i love about being a tesla owner is every day or at least it seems that way uh it gets better and it gets better for me as a user well, with that, I think we will wrap up this uh, informative and interesting podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I wish you the best of luck with your future device endeavors. Well, thank you so much, Dave, Evan. It's, uh, it's been great. I love chatting about this stuff, so thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much. Yes. You want some information, some kind of conversation, Bye.